44 through to 52. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes out and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went out and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fernery, the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Uh, if you'd like to keep your Bible open there at Matthew chapter 13, uh, we're particularly going to look at the first two parables there, uh, what is called uh, the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value. Uh, before we do that, I'd just like to say a couple of things. Um, just first of all, a big thank you to all those who were involved in leading services and preaching uh, over the last month while I uh, took some annual leave. Um, I managed to listen over the last uh, week to the last two weeks that both Reuben and Caleb uh, preach, and I just thought uh, we as a church should be really thankful, uh, that really blessed by having some young guys uh, like Reuben and Caleb who are willing to bring God's word and have been gifted to do so, and uh, yeah, we just are wonderfully blessed as a church to have that. Also, our RTC guys uh, who step up all the time, uh, thank you guys for doing that as well. Um, in a few weeks' time, uh, we're going to start kind of a larger series, um, which is going to go for a number of months in, in little bits and pieces, um, looking at the life and the ministry of the prophet Elisha uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, so uh, I'd like to be able to stand up here and say, it's going to be about this, but I don't know yet because um, I am having struggles with it. So it's going to start when I'm ready, um, and until that, we'll do some other things. But if you want to make a head start, um, can I encourage you to maybe read through the book of Two Kings? Uh, in the next uh, two or three weeks. I think you would find that beneficial to see how his ministry fits in the overall uh, structure or the overall story of the book of two kings. So that would be great. Well, today, Matthew 13, uh, let's get into it. Let's pray uh, as we do so. Lord God, we do thank you that you've uh, given us uh, your word. We thank you that as we sung earlier, we can stand on every promise um, that it makes, that you make through it. Uh, we thank you that your word never fails. Uh, it's always come true. Uh, we thank you that your word is powerful. Uh, it's effective. Uh, it brings us the word of salvation, and it changes our lives. And Lord God, we pray that you would do that this morning. Uh, we know that it doesn't come about because uh, of my preaching or our listening. It comes about because your Holy Spirit is at work. So we pray for him, Lord, uh, that you would send him and that he would be at work. And he would open up our lives uh, and he would renew us from the inside. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in April uh, 1993, 
uh, a man going by the name of Max Valentin uh, announced in French newspapers that he had hidden a golden owl somewhere in the countryside of France. Uh, He offered a million francs to anyone who could find his golden owl. Uh, Over the course of his life, uh, Max Valentin, uh, pseudonym, um, he revealed 11 clues as to the whereabouts of this golden owl. And over the year, a few crazy treasure hunters um, tore up concrete, uh, burnt down a chapel, um, all in search of his golden owl. Now, sadly, Max Valentin died in 2009. Uh, Before his death, uh, in an interview... Uh, he announced that the owl was still hidden, that he had checked on its location frequently. At one stage, he said someone had come close. He had seen dug up ground nearby. But as far as we know, the golden owl is still hidden. It's the stuff of kids' stories, isn't it? Kids, we play things like pirates. Maybe, maybe you've done that before. We pretend that there's somewhere there is hidden a, a great treasure. We want to find it. What would you do if you found a great treasure? If you're down at the local beach yesterday in the hot weather and you got out the bucket and the spades and you were giving, making the kids the biggest sandcastle you have ever seen. Imagine you dug a moat the deepest that beach has ever seen around that sandcastle. And as, you, as you're digging... You strike something wooden with a rusty lock that comes apart really easily. And inside is buried treasure. That's, that's one of the scenarios that Jesus is asking us to imagine, to put ourselves into as we read through these two parables. He's asking us to imagine finding tremendously valuable treasure. And he's asking us the question, what would you do if you found it? Now you notice that as we read through these two parables, the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl, there are a couple of, a couple of differences between them. In the first parable, the parable of the treasure, uh, the man is not looking. He stumbles on it. But yet the parable of the pearl, he is looking for something. You notice that in the first parable, uh, it talks about the great joy he experiences in finding it and the fact that he covers it up until he can buy the field. Uh, The second parable doesn't have that or doesn't mention that at all. But I want to suggest that when we read through these two parables and they're meant to go together, our focus should not be on the differences. Okay, the differences are there to flesh out story, to make it come alive, to make it vibrant. Our focus should be on the similarities between the two. And there are two similarities, aren't there? In both stories, something of great value has been found. And in both stories, the men sell everything that they have to possess it. And in these two similarities, Jesus is telling us something about not treasure and pearls, but about his kingdom about what his kingdom is like and about what it means to live in that kingdom. And if this sermon has points, they are it. 
Let's start then with what is found. In the first story, there's a treasure hidden in a field. Jesus is telling a story of a guy who is uh, working, a laborer probably, who's working away in a field. Now, I, I read that and I picture a wooden box. But the, the listeners who first heard Jesus, they probably pictured a clay jar. Maybe, maybe, the, guy was, maybe the guy was turning his, the field over, ready to plant a crop in it. Maybe he was pulling out weeds or maybe he was harvesting a crop up. No matter how it is, as he's going along, he finds this clay jar. And on opening it up, he finds a tremendous treasure. He smiles. His heart leaps. Because in this treasure, he has it made. Things will be different from now on for him, for his family, perhaps for his entire village. Now, the second story uh, is not a tradesman so much or a laborer, but it's a trader of pearls. Uh, we're not to sort of think of a sort of a market stall seller, but we're to think about somebody who travels around uh, looking for pearls, for gems of great value. And one day I picture a seaside marketplace with canvas shelters fluttering in the breeze. He's searching through a tray of pearls. And I imagine him whispering quietly to the stall owner, have you got anything not on display? And him being led through a room full of junk to a tiny room out the back. And a wooden box and a dirty piece of cloth. And inside is a pearl unlike anything else he has ever seen. A pearl that he always knew existed but had eluded him so far. A pearl that is worth more than anything else he has ever seen. In fact, anything else that he's ever owned all added up together is found in this pearl. His heart leaps. The smile comes across his face. Because what has always eluded him has finally been found. Now, why is Jesus telling these stories? Well, let's jump back to the very first line of both of them. Because in that line, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like. What's he saying? He's saying the kingdom of heaven, the reign and the rule of God on earth, the kingdom that Jesus himself is bringing is more precious more valuable, more desirable than anything else in this world. It is a kingdom of incomparable, unrecognizable value and honor. In fact, his kingdom is worth more than anything else in this world. And in fact, everything else in this world, all added up together. Now, how can Jesus say this? Is this a bit egotistical? I mean, is this like me going around Geelong saying, come to South Bowen. It is the church of great value. 
amongst all the churches in July. Is it the same thing? What, what enables Jesus to say this? Well, have a look for a moment with me back in Matthew chapter 13 at some of the other stories that Jesus has been telling at the same time. This is just part of a, a bigger storytelling session that Jesus is having. Have a look, first of all, with me at verses 31 to 33, where he tells the story of a mustard seed. You, you see it there? The mustard seed, which is tiny, which gets planted in the ground and, yet, and then grows into a massive tree that sort of provides shelter and shade and comfort. And then he tells the story of the leaven, or you may remember it as, as the story of the yeast, which is small, but it's put in dough and it works its way through and it influences everything. What's Jesus saying about his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven? It might look very small. It might seem insignificant. But it is the kingdom that will grow and will be the only kingdom that there is. His is the kingdom that will influence, that will shape, that will determine everything else in this world. Have a look, just a little couple of uh, verses later. At, there's something called the parable of the weeds uh, about a farmer who goes out and sows a crop wheat uh, and his enemy comes along and he sows weeds uh, in amongst his crop. Uh, and Jesus says, well, this is, this is like the kingdom of heaven on the last day uh, where it's brought in, the wheat and the weeds are all brought in together. Look at what happens for those who belong to Jesus. Verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. This is the kingdom where people who know the king, who know Jesus, get to shine like the sun with God their father forever. This is the kingdom which changes lives and which changes futures, which changes eternity. But to be outside of this kingdom is to be in a fiery furnace and a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have a look at the start of the chapter where Jesus tells another story, another parable. It's called the parable of the sower. His is the kingdom where the word of God goes out. And in the hearts of good soil, the hearts of people who, be who belong to the kingdom, it bears fruit. And it changes people's lives. Enables them to know God and to live for God. Live the kind of lives that they were created to live. How can Jesus say that his kingdom is a kingdom of great value? Incomparable value. Enormous value. Eternal value. Because his is the kingdom that will win. His is the kingdom that will conquer the curse. His is the kingdom that puts lives right, renews them, restores them back to their creator, back to their heavenly father. His is the kingdom which is putting this whole world right again. His is the kingdom of great value, of great worth incomparable worth. See, if we belong to Jesus, if we know him and we've become a part of this kingdom, we have been given the most precious gift imaginable, worth more than buried treasure, more than a, more than a pearl of great price. We have been given, 
we belong to, the kingdom of eternal, enormous, incomparable value here on earth. In Jesus, we have been made right with our Creator, with the God who made us. In Jesus, we have been given every spiritual blessing, it says in Ephesians 1. We have peace and joy and hope. We have a place to belong to, a Father who loves us and cares for us and who provides for us. We have a new family, a new people to belong to. We have a purpose and a mission and a meaning here in life. We have been given what is elusive outside of Jesus. Now, a a few years ago, uh, in the town of Elbow Falls in Minnesota, uh, Elbow Lake in Minnesota, there was a man named David Gonzalez uh, who bought a house, a real a real dunger of a house, a real fixer-upper. Uh, he bought that house for $10,100. Tells you uh, just how run down that house was. Uh, in the coming uh, time, uh, David got about some uh, renovation work. And as part of that renovation work, he pulled down a wall. And he found inside of that wall a whole bunch of newspapers which had been used as insulation. And a part of that uh, newspapers... He found a comic book, Action Comics number one, famous because it contains the first ever drawing of Superman. Uh, Another copy of Action Comics number one in 2011 sold for $2.17 million. Great for David, isn't it? Here he stumbles on this prize. But also think, Somebody else had owned and lived in that house. Somebody else had sold that house for a pittance compared to what it was worth. Somebody else had completely undervalued the home in which they lived. Just like that person, it is possible to undervalue the kingdom that Jesus is bringing and the kingdom that Jesus has made us for. To ignore or to forget that it is the treasure of great value and the pearl of great price. Maybe we don't think too much about this kingdom. Maybe we belong to it, but we just live and act and think like everybody else around us. Maybe this kingdom is sits on the shelf with a whole bunch of other treasures that we've become a part of. It has no extra significance and meaning. Maybe we think of this kingdom as just saved from sins and going to heaven. It's a little afterlife insurance. Not a lot more. Jesus is saying, don't undervalue this kingdom. It is the treasure of great value and the pearl of great price. If you want to know how valuable it is, can I encourage you? Get to know how incredible the king is. You want to know how good this kingdom is? Take another look at his king. How compassionate and kind and gracious and powerful. All the promises that he's made 
for those who live in his kingdom. If you're serious about that, I encourage you, uh, maybe pick up one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, even John. Um, read through them. If you're into highlighting and underlining, highlight all of the promises that the king makes for those who are in his kingdom. Highlight all of the things that the king has done for those who live in his kingdom. Have the king turn your eyes back to the kingdom and the great worth that it is. Have him change the eyes of your heart to see how glorious and valuable and precious that kingdom is. Sometimes that kingdom, sometimes that kingdom loses its luster, doesn't it? I know, I know what that's like. Sometimes that kingdom seems more like grief and work than a pearl of great value. Sometimes that kingdom loses its luster. Usually happens as our eyes are turned to fool's gold, to something fake, to something different. Never forget how precious and how valuable it is to know God through Jesus. Never forget all that has been given to us in this kingdom. A treasure of great value, a pearl of great price. Well, that's, that's what is found in both of those two stories. Next, we want to move on to then to see how, how both of these two men respond. And both of them respond by selling all that they have in order to possess uh, that field and to possess that field. Uh, that pearl. Uh, the laborer, uh, he goes home. Uh, his friends, his family think he's crazy. Uh, he puts his little shack on the market. It's not the one that David bought, so no, no worries there. Uh, he puts his little house on the market. Uh, he has a garage sale. Um, he's on eBay. Uh, he is selling everything that he has. Everybody thinks he is nuts for what he is doing. The pearl merchant... Um, he has a fire sale on pearls. He's doing all sorts of deals. Uh, buy one, get one half price. Um, buy three, get one for a dollar. Um, he is underselling uh, his pearls. His competitors think he's, he's lost the plot, and they're, they're buying it all up. But both men know what they're doing. Both men know that they're underselling everything that they have, but it doesn't matter, does it? Because they are going to gain something in return of far greater value. Both men have decided no matter what the cost, that treasure, that pearl, is worth owning. What's Jesus saying about his kingdom? He's told us it's a kingdom of tremendous value, incomparable value, worth more than anything else that there is. And it doesn't matter what the cost is. To live in that kingdom, it is worth it. No matter what we have to pay, no matter what costs us, no matter what the price attached to it, it's worth it. Because in that kingdom, we gain something of eternal value, worth more than everything else added up together forever. It is worth it. So what might some of the costs be that we have to pay? What might it be that we have to sell to live in this kingdom? 
Well, it's going to cost us sin. It's going to cost us sin. And I'm not talking those horrible sins that we hate, that we'd happily get rid of. It's going to cost us that sin that we love, that we think defines us, that we actually think that we can't live without. It's going to, it's going to tell us, it's going to encourage us to get rid of it. It's going to cost us our false gods. I'm not talking about that Buddha you bought back from Thailand. Well, maybe you shouldn't have, but it, not those ones. Those gods, those things that we love, that we look to, to bring us meaning and significance and peace and hope. It's going to cost us those gods. It's going to cost us comfort. That idea that is prevalent around us, that everybody else has, that I'm living for my own comfort and my own happiness and my own safety, it's going to cost us our comfort. It may cost us our friends. It may cost us our freedom. This morning, uh, on the way here, I was listening to 96.3. Uh, they told the story of May uh, in China, who has just been sentenced to three years in prison for holding a Bible study in our home. Some people, it costs them their freedom. It's going to cost us anything and everything that is not Jesus. It's going to cost us every other comfort, every other joy, every other security, every other hope, every other source of meaning and peace that there is that is not Jesus. But let me make something clear. That cost is a living cost. It's not an entry cost. It's not the cost to give in, to get in. It's the cost to live in that kingdom. You see, an incredible twist to these two parables. There is someone else who has given up everything for this kingdom. There is somebody else who has given up his whole life so that we might live in and enter this kingdom. And that was Jesus. He paid everything. He paid the great price. He gave up his own life so that we might enter into his kingdom. On the cross, he shed his blood and paid for our guilt, and paid for our shame, so that we might enter into his kingdom. He now is the one who, by his spirit, provides us everything that we need to live in it, to pay the cost, to give up whatever it takes for that kingdom. So whatever it is, you and I have to give up at the moment. Maybe it's a sin Maybe it's an idol, maybe it's comfort, maybe it's friends, maybe it's security. Whatever the cost, it pales in comparison to the 
price that Jesus himself has paid. And it pales in comparison to what we gain in his kingdom. It's always worth it. The story of uh, David Gonzalez uh, doesn't quite finish where I told you. I, I mentioned that another copy of that magazine uh, had been sold for 2.17 million. Uh, David did manage to sell his. He sold his for $175,000. Because uh, David had a fight with his mother-in-law over the magazine. And they tore the front page of it. The great news about the treasure, the pearl, the kingdom that Jesus is bringing, it can never be devalued. It never loses its luster. It never becomes worthless because it's maintained and upheld by Jesus the King. Let's pray to him now, shall we? Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, that in Jesus and his kingdom, you have freely and graciously given us a great treasure, a pearl of incomparable value. You have given us everything that our heart desires and more. Help us never to undervalue your kingdom. Turn our eyes again and again to Jesus the King. Through him may we see day by day the wonderful gift that you have given us that we might gladly sell everything that we have so that we might live in it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.